It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. to update her announced policies of January 4th, 2021 regarding the requirement to wear masks in the hall of the House during the coronavirus crisis. Consistent with the newly updated guidance from the Office of the Attending Physician related to the increased threat from the Delta variant of the virus, the chair wishes to inform all members and staff that masks will once again be required in the hall of the House. However, members will be permitted to remove their mask temporarily while under recognition. To be clear, members and staff must wear masks in the hall of the House at all times except when a member may remove his or her mask when recognized by the chair. In addition, members presiding as chair may remove their masks when speaking. The Sergeant-at-Arms is directed to enforce mask requirements consistent with his, this announcement. Members are reminded that under House Resolution 38, the Sergeant-at-Arms is authorized and directed to impose a fine against any member acting in violation of this policy. The Chair appreciates the continued attention of all members and staff to these health and safety protocols, particularly in this changing health environment. Yes, okay, so Nancy, the Speaker of the House, is now clamping down the gavel on members of Congress again. Can you imagine serving in that body right now? Miserable, miserable, miserable to be in Washington, D.C. right now. Miserable to be serving in Congress with her controlling everything. And so she is forcing them, and they will be fined and punished and watched. And as they're trying to conduct the nation's business and trying to represent us faithfully, this is what they're facing. Uh, and I think it's probably fair to say that Nancy Pelosi and the left want to make it so miserable for those good people serving that they will quit. I think that's really the desire here. Now, so let's let's pair this with what's actually happening. Joe Biden has, uh, is going to order federal employees to get vaccines or submit to regular testing. They've already told the Veterans Administration that they have to be vaccinated. And, of course, there's lots of stories about uh, New York workers are now going to be forced to uh, take the vaccine. Uh, the Governor Cuomo is quite happy about that, and so is, so is the mayor of New York City. Uh, and the, the unions in New York City are pushing back, at least verbally. We'll see how hard they really push back. Uh, but I want to share with you something that you need to know. So the, we're told that the Delta variant is so frightening. You know, it's, uh, it's just coming, and the reason that people are getting sick now is because the vaccine isn't working because it's a difference, a mutation, and, and uh, you, the, the cases are go, you know, off the charts. And, yeah, but the problem is, at least for the left, that the Delta variant is, by experience and numbers and science, it comes from India. It is far less lethal. It is like the common cold. People get over it. 
Uh, and it is not killing people. Even though people are getting it in record numbers, it, it is not killing people. There may be some exceptions to that. But I'll give you just some numbers. The uh, U.S. coronavirus death rate is still roughly at a pandemic low. So let me give you, these are numbers from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. According to Google's coronavirus tracking system on July 26th, 275 people are dying from the virus on a seven-day average while overall infection cases are rising. So the cases are rising. The testing is getting more positives for sure, but no more people are dying. I mean, I don't mean no one's dying. I mean numbers. The numbers are not increasing. Around the high of coronavirus deaths on January 20th, when President Joe Biden took office, 3,056 people were dying on a seven-day average. Since January, coronavirus deaths have steadily decreased, presumably due to the vaccine. Yeah, well, that's an argument that could be had. Could be to herd immunity, couldn't it? On February the 20th, 1,904. Uh, yeah, this is of, uh, this is our, this year, 2021. On February the 20th, 1,904 people were dying on a seven-day average. The number dipped again in March to 1,083. In April, uh, the number had decreased by 784 to 784 deaths on an average per seven days. May saw the number shrink to 595, and the June average seventh-day death rate, death rate was down 300. The dropping numbers come as the CDC reinstated mask recommendations for vaccinated individuals, a policy which was previously dropped in May when the seven-day average was recorded at 595. So um, it's not true that deaths are increasing. It's true that cases are increasing. And if it's like India, according to the numbers that Daniel Horowitz published, um, people are not, it's more people are not dying. In fact, in India, vaccination rates are pretty low and they've, they seem to have reached herd immunity. It's, it's amazing, the numbers on that. We, we should put that article back on our Facebook page so that you can see it. All right, so meanwhile, while they are forcing members of Congress, federal government, which is a whole discussion in itself, this is horrendous. This is horrendous, I, I could just say, to force people to take a vaccine. You know, I think uh, Cuomo is saying we should need to go to their homes and drag them out of their homes and vaccinate them. Does that scare anyone besides me? Does that sound right to you? Uh, so, um, meanwhile, there's an issue at the southern border. There's a really big issue at the southern border. Charles Payne is interviewing um, uh, Congressman Quaylar, who is a Democrat and serves out of Texas. And I want you to hear their interaction just yesterday. Let's listen. On May 30th, there were 1,307 cases, new cases in Mexico of COVID-19. Yesterday, there were 17,000. That's a 13 times increase in just that very short period of time. Certainly, that must raise red flags at the White House. Even without your pleas, someone's got to be looking at this data and wondering what plan of action should be taken, don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Charles. Look, last week in the lower Rio Grande Valley, they had over 20,000 encounters over 20,000 encounters in just one week. And what happened is, uh, as the story, La Jolla is in my district. And I talked to the officials uh, this uh, this afternoon, and uh, and uh, we're going to talk again on Friday. But what's happening is when when uh, Border Patrol drops folks off at a charity, the charity gets overloaded, and then they drop them off at a at a um, at a hotel without even telling the, the the local officials. And that's not right. The charity needs 
needs to tell the local officials, especially if they are COVID positive. It's not fair to my local communities. There are people being released there uh, that might have COVID-19, uh, and we need to just make sure that we communicate with each other. And what I'm asking on the Biden administration is to do a pause. Do a pause. They need to. They need to prioritize border communities. They need to prioritize the men and women of DHS. They need to prioritize our border communities and DHS. Yes. So Quaylar goes on to talk about uh, how many uh, border patrolmen have come have tested positive for COVID. He gives numbers on that. He's very impassioned about it, and he's a Democrat. And uh, go figure. That's not normal, is it? It's an honest guy trying to represent his people down there, and he sees the danger. Chip Roy yesterday on the House floor after Nancy Pelosi did her new declaration that they will all be remasked again, uh, stood in the House. Well, he was the only one. He was the only one who said anything like this. Chip Roy stood to say this. Let's listen. We have a crisis at our border, and we're playing footsie with mask mandates in the people's house. I mean, it's absolutely absurd what this body is doing, the people's house. It's an embarrassment. It's a mockery. And the American people are fed up. They want to go back to life. They want to go back to business. They want to go back to school without their children being forced to wear masks, to be put in the corner, to have mental health issues. And the speaker comes down here at 10 o'clock in the morning saying, we got to wear masks in the people's house while we've got thousands of people pouring across our border and Democrats don't do a darn thing about it. We are absolutely sick and tired of it, and so are the American people. This sham of an institution is doing nothing for the American people, nothing for the betterment of the people that send their representatives here. Yes, but, you know, they're spending our money. Uh, you know, that infrastructure package, over a trillion dollars, uh, passed, uh, passed muster. And I think I didn't, I wasn't even going to talk about this, but there were like, 17, I'm guessing, the number of Republicans who went right along with it. They're all in favor of that bill. It's not, you know, nothing to see here. Uh, so they're good at really spending money we don't have, putting us in debt, creating inflation, putting the country at risk, both in terms of their health and also their prosperity. They're really good at that. But uh, Chip is right. Uh, other other than that, they are worthless. They are They are worthless. I wish... Have I said this before? I'll say it again. I wish Washington, D.C. would just sink into some sort of pit and just be gone. Uh, maybe we could take a, you know, I'm not, again, not wishing death on anyone, but metaphorically, they need to be gone. We could live our lives without the federal government. It would be a wonderful gift to all of us. Let's go back. Maybe we should go back to, you know, the, the, uh, the pre-federal government days of just having all the colonies. We could all be colonies and operate things the way we want. I don't know, being ridiculous, but really, the federal government is out of control, and they are worthless. They are corrupt. It's just uh, don't get me started. So, uh, so now, you know, we have all these new things happening uh, it was interesting because <laughs> Anthony Fauci has a lot to say about these things. So uh, the, I'm not sure exactly where this clip falls in the timeline, but I thought, you know, he's uh, an expert on the Delta variant. So this is what he had to say about that. This is clip nine. Now that we have a Delta variant, that has changed the entire landscape. Because when you look at the level of virus in the nasopharynx of a vaccinated person, who gets a breakthrough infection with Delta, it is exactly the same as the level of virus in a unvaccinated uh. person who's infected. That's the problem. So those data are very compelling. And that triggered 
the change in the CDC guideline. Yeah, so that triggered the change. The change. So I have an article now this morning that says that um, the CDC guidelines, which were changed, which we need to play that clip too. Uh, the problem is they, they're citing studies that no one's seen. The, gui- the, the science on suddenly masking everyone, including children, we're going to get to that in a second, no one's seen that. They can't. Yeah. The, the, the answer to the question that was asked, well, where, could you please, could we see those studies? Uh, that's the basis of you changing all of these things? Well, the person said, you know, they haven't been published yet. Those studies, uh, you know, they just haven't been published yet. But, of course, we know what's best for you. And if you don't think that they think they know what's best for you, you should hear the exchange between Peter Ducey and Jen Psaki a few days ago. Let's listen to clip 12. Why do vaccinated people need to put the masks back on? Well, Peter, first of all, I would say again, just to go back to this chart, which I will handily point to again. If you were vaccinated, if you were vaccinated, your life, it can save your life. And I think the clear data shows um, that this pandemic is killing, is hospitalizing, is making people very sick who are not vaccinated. That could still continues to be the case, uh, regardless of what the mass guidance looks like. If the vaccines work, which this sign says that they do, then why do people who have had the vaccine need to now wear masks the same as people who have not had it? Because the public health uh, leaders in our administration have made the determination based on data that that is a way to make sure they're protected, their loved ones are protected, uh, and that's an extra step given the transmissibility of the virus that people, uh, that they're advising people. Uh, so, but it's, uh, you know, we can't see the research that that's based on. That That's not been published yet. We don't, we're not quite ready to tell you why we're doing this, but we're doing this. You just have to trust us. I, I have a lot to say about this, a lot of updates uh, from various sources, some really interesting sources. And uh, also I have some very interesting email and and Facebook stuff from you guys. So we're going to talk about that next. So uh, stay tuned and we'll try to make our way through this maddening mess and try to understand it as best we can, uh, knowing up front that we're not going to have a full understanding because it's uh, the confusion. As I said to you before, when it came to the January 6th uh, uh, incursion into the White House, the left wants to confuse you. They want you to be confused about everything because that takes away a lot of your security. So don't don't let them do that. Don't let them work you like that. We're, we'll think through it. We'll think through it. And with God's help, we'll make good decisions, okay? Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Miki. And we've been married 16 years. You know, one of the things that Miki asked me before we got married, she's like, why do you want to marry me? What is it about about me? Really, the Lord had put on my heart that God was putting us together for destiny and for purpose, and that he had a ministry that he desired to do through us, that, you know, we were both ministering on our own, but together that God was going to you know, use us to minister. There is no one who is closer to you than your spouse. And there is no one who knows you better. And this is by God's design. Marriage is the first institution that God has given us to to shape us and to mold us and to show us ourselves. It's a beautiful picture. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. 
The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts to into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. As you plan your summer college visits, add Liberty University to the list. With many visiting options to choose from, you're sure to find the right one to fit your schedule. Spend a few hours exploring campus with our student-led team at Tour LU. Dig deeper and learn more about life at Liberty during Experience LU or take your next steps towards becoming a student at Decide LU. Learn more and register today by texting VISIT to 49596. Again, that's VISIT to 49596. See you this summer. In 1996, Carrie Strug made Olympic history in Atlanta. She broke her ankle on the vault, but instead of pulling out of the competition, she played through the pain. Ms. Strug stuck the landing on her second vault and helped Team USA win its first ever team gold medal in women's gymnastics. That remarkable moment stands in stark contrast to Simone Biles, proclaimed by many to be the greatest of all time. Yet her team was denied a gold medal because she needed to take a mental health day. Miss Biles said the stress had become too much. She needed to prioritize her well-being. The blue check marks on Twitter rushed to defend Miss Biles. They said her decision to quit on her team was brave, but it was an act of selfishness that has come to define the selfie generation. Could you imagine a member of the Alabama Crimson Tide telling Coach Bear Bryant he was taking a day off for some me time? <laughs> Sweet mercy, America. I'm Todd Stearns. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. It's a festive atmosphere at Basilico Pasta and Vino Restaurant in Huntington Beach, a place known for its delicious pasta and its rebellious owner, Tony Roman. I've always viewed the forced masking of people, especially Americans, as a... Um, as a symbol of control and surrender. Roman refuses to allow any of his employees to wear a mask. It's our rule. So um, if they don't want to work here, they don't, they don't have to work here. And it's not just the employees. Roman says if you want to go into his restaurant, you'll have to take off the mask. What is so offensive about wearing a mask? Well, like I said, I think f for me, uh, it's a cultural thing, it's surrendering, and it's almost like a white flag. His customers agree. We should not be forced to have to wear a mask, especially if I'm healthy. Uh, I'm willing to keep a distance from somebody, that's fine, and I respect them if they want to wear the mask, but it's interesting that it doesn't seem to go both ways. But state health officials say we are in the middle of a pandemic, one that has killed more than 230,000 people in the U.S. You really don't believe COVID-19 is a big deal. I know you're trying to bait me with that question. I mean, is that right? is that the case? It hasn't affected us, um, has affected our customers. Um, 
And, uh, you know, like I said, if there was an outbreak of any kind of restaurant, somebody with a cold or flu, I would send them home anyways. But his defiance could end up being costly. The restaurant could lose its liquor license, and Roman could face criminal charges for disobeying Governor Newsom's orders. I'm calling him out right now. File the charges. You have this criminal action hanging over our head right now. File charges against us. So let's go to trial. And let's get it on. Roman's customers love his bravado and they encourage other businesses to take a stand. Let's just be Americans, let people you know, live and let live kind of thing, and let's not step on each other's toes. Gina Silva, Fox 11 News. Okay, that's a report that from California that is actually uh, a year old. So that's, that's Tony Roman, but that was his response. And uh, it's just interesting. We'll see how people respond now to this latest crackdown. And uh, speaking of Los Angeles, because that's the reason I played that clip, uh, I want to give you some really interesting information. In Los Angeles, over 25% of the COVID cases are fully vaccinated people. And in fact, California is reporting a higher COVID-19 rate in areas with higher vaccination rates and vice versa. And if you don't believe me, CBS LA did this report. Let's listen. Clip 22. Statewide data analyzed by the Bay Area News Group found these five counties, Los Angeles, San Diego, Alameda, Contra Costa, and San Francisco, have both a higher percentage of people fully vaccinated than the state average and a higher average daily case rate. Compare that to these five counties, Modoc, Glen, Lassen, Del Norte, and San Benito, which have below average vaccination rates and decreasing case rates. Does this indicate that the vaccine's not working? No, it doesn't. UCSF infectious disease expert, Dr. Philip Norris says there are several contributing factors. First, the counties referenced with higher vaccination and case rates are more densely populated. There are a lot of people around, you're more likely to bump into one who has COVID. He also notes vaccinated people may be unknowingly spreading the virus because the vaccine is working. They may not even realize they're sick. A lot of people think if they're vaccinated, they can't transmit. Is that true? So originally we thought that might be true. But he says that's no longer the case, thanks to the Delta variant, pointing to data from China that indicates the viral load in the nose from the Delta variant may be a thousand times higher than previous variants. If that's the case, even a little bit in somebody who's vaccinated could be a lot. He notes as case rates increase with the Delta variant, more unvaccinated people and vaccinated people will get COVID, though the rates will still be higher among the unvaccinated. Consider this. In Los Angeles County last month, vaccinated people made up one out of every five new COVID cases. For context, for every 100,000 people, 10 vaccinated people would test positive compared to 40 unvaccinated people. Now, it's so important to note that vaccinated people have fewer symptoms, are less likely to be hospitalized. But for those who have friends and family with compromised immune systems, you know, this is really important to remember. Just because you're vaccinated and they're vaccinated doesn't mean you can't give it to them. And it doesn't mean they can't have serious complications. So it's important to remember you can still transmit even if you're vaccinated. Yeah. So uh, aren't you glad you got vaccinated? Uh, because you the Delta variant now, it's different. It's going to get in a different way. And you're vaccinated, but you still have to wear a mask. And you still, uh, what what are we doing? Uh, let me just play a clip from uh, the president of the United States. This was not that long ago. I don't know what the date is, but it's a few months ago. This is your president, Joe Biden. Clip four. I think it's a great milestone, a great day. It's been made possible by the extraordinary success we've had in vaccinating so many Americans so quickly. When your country asked you to get vaccinated, you did. The American people stepped up. 
you did what I consider to be your patriotic duty. That's how we've gotten to this day. If you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. Let me repeat, if you are fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. And uh, how long did that last? Six weeks? I'm not sure. If you're, you know, we've gotten to this day, you've done your patriotic duty. Well, yeah, you did. You got a vaccine that is untested, that is causing death and harm. Now, I don't, the percentages, you still have to decide if it's, I don't, I'm not saying that people have not been protected. I'm not saying that because I'm not, I couldn't possibly. They are, they must be protected, surely, because everybody says so, right? But we know it is not what they said it was. And then, uh, what, six weeks ago, everything changed, and uh, Dr. Fauci, who never changes his mind, he, he is steady on Dr. Fauci. Uh, this is what he had to say recently, clip five. The recommendations and the guidelines have been changed to say that if you are vaccinated, even though you are vaccinated, you are in an indoor public setting in an area of the country with a high degree of viral dynamics, namely the red and orange sections on the CDC chart, then you need to wear a mask, even though you are vaccinated. Okay, so get the CDC map out and figure out if you, you know, where you, it's very, you know, they've got this big map, it changes every day, and they are so reliable, you know, aren't they? The CDC is so reliable. In fact, Dr. Fauci assures us that they are reliable. In clip six, this is what he says. Something has changed, and what has changed is the virus. The CDC hasn't changed, and the CDC hasn't really flip-flopped at all. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, No, no, the CDC hasn't flip-flopped at all. We just just registered, what, two or three major flips in this discussion this morning on where things stand. So uh, the CDC, is it? Rachel Walensky, I think that's her first name. Uh, she announced the good new guidelines about how everyone has to wear masks and every all the kids in school, K through 12, have to wear masks. And and then, you know, yesterday we did um, uh, kind of analysis of the hearing on January 6th and the officers who testified. And I uh, chose one officer in particular to kind of test whether he was, how could we know if he's telling the truth or not? And I played a clip for you of how he talked about his fellow officer, very emotionally teary. Brian Sicknick died on uh, of injuries he incurred on January 6th, and we need a moment of silence. But the problem was that's just an abject lie. It's not a subtle change. It's something that made headlines because the coroner uh, confirmed what the family had said, that he died of natural causes. And that was a big news story, and I know that that officer knows that, yet he lied on the stand. And so then that makes you wonder if you could trust his other testimony. So that's a point I made yesterday. So Rachel Walensky, Rachel, I may be getting her first name wrong. I should just say Walensky, the CDC director, um, uh, made a claim yesterday that is certifiably false. I want you to hear her say it, and then I'll give you the stats to explain it. This is, uh, this is a clip seven. I think it's really important for people to understand that this is not a benign disease in kids compared to other diseases that our kids see. So if you look at the mortality rate of COVID um, just this past year for children, it's more than twice the mortality rate that we see in influenza in a given year. Except that's not true. 
that's the head of the CDC, a doctor, telling you that uh, it's uh, the death rate's twice as much in children for COVID as it is for flu. Okay, here are the numbers. These are CDC numbers, by the way. Children in nine, 2019 to 2020 who died of influenza, that is the flu, 434. Okay? In the year 2019 and 2020, same period of time, 124 children died of COVID. For this calendar year of COVID, uh, between 2020 and 2021, so far in this year, 213 children have died. Okay, so we don't have the stats on flu there, but let me just tell you this. Over 35% of the children who died of COVID had a comorbidity. We've talked about this before. It's my understanding. I, I read a, uh, an interesting article, and I'm sure I shared it with you, uh, by a, a doctor who's analyzed these numbers and said from his uh, examining the cases and the deaths, only one child had died of COVID, and I'd forgotten the period of time. Uh, maybe it was a calendar year, a recent calendar year. So uh, it's really not true what Rachel Walensky, just Walensky, sorry, whatever her first name is, uh, whatever she said, it's not true. Um, and so that makes you wonder, can we trust all the other things that she says, like she is now insisting on masks, mask wearing in public schools? Oh, that is just, um, that is horrific, and I think parents I hope parents don't go down well with that because we know of the damage that wearing masks does to children in terms of their breathing and their their interactions. But for all of us, it just it's it's uh, it's horrific, and they have reinstated all of this based on information that they're not even willing to share. As I told you before, I find it really interesting that two outlets that are not conservative are writing articles now on. It's not just so-called conservative Republicans, you know, anti-vaxxers, those are the terms of the left, the unvaccinated or the anti-vaxxers. It's not just conservatives or Republicans or people who haven't been vaccinated who are beginning to question what's going on. Slate, who is far left of the left, has an interesting article called The New COVID Panic, What Vaccinated People Should Really Know About Their Risk from the Delta Variant. Um, this is a the writer is a Kelly Susan Matthews and she talks about some friends of hers who came to Florida they were all fully vaccinated uh, and um, he's a journalist this friend of hers who went to Florida with his family and came back to New York and was tested positive and so did other people in the family who had had the vaccination uh, she says mostly he felt frustrated he's a journalist he's pretty tuned into the news he knew breakthrough cases were possible but he had seen many assurances that they were extremely rare. <laughs> they were extremely rare, not that big of a deal. Sorry, you guys. Sorry. Sorry for that. They're extremely rare um, and not that big of a deal. I feel like I had very inaccurate information, I, and I would have made my decisions in a different light if I'd known what I know now. He would have worn a mask at the hockey game that he went to in Florida, even though no one was wearing a mask that day, but he was vaccinated, and he didn't think he need to do that. needed to do that. So the point is that, in this, they're beginning to say, what can we trust? That's what Susan Matthews is analyzing. It's a very long article, but I want to go back to her conclusion. Um, she just basically says, um, we are living through this pandemic. It means taking the risks and precautions that are reasonable for you. Uh, the reason why everything feels so confusing right now is because we're getting closer and closer to the point where COVID is something that we just have to live with, just as we live with a million other things that are risky but make us unhappy. 
Uh, so that's her assessment on it. My assessment of it is, uh, for what it's worth, is that we are we have to approach herd immunity, and I think we're probably pretty close to that. And that's probably why um, we don't we're not having as many deaths now. I think we have uh, built up a pretty good uh, immunity. There's another article in an, um, an outlet called uh, Substack, and it's titled "The Vaccine Aristocrats." And this is really interesting. And Substack, I don't really know where they're coming from. I my my. T- my sense of this is that they are certainly not a conservative outlet, just based on the way it's written. Uh, the, uh, the author, Matt Tybee, or T-I-B, uh, talks about how uh, people on television are just, uh, he calls it a baffle gag. Uh, this week with George Stephanopoulos, he calls it a baffle gag of Washington poobahs, including Chris Christie, Rahm Emanuel, Margaret Hoover, and Donna Brazile. Uh, and he talks, he said he, he would name the show The Four Hated Windbags, uh, but he said this bipartisan love-in took place a few days after David Frum, famed Bush speechwriter and creator of the Axis of Evil slogan, wrote a column in The Atlantic entitled, Vaccinated America Has Had Enough. Does Biden's America have a breaking point? Biden's America produces 70% of the country's wealth and then sees that wealth transferred to support Trump's America, which is fine. That's what citizens of one nation do for one another, but the reciprocal part of the bargain is not being Upheld. Will blue America ever decide it's had enough of being put medically at risk by people and places whose bills it pays? <laughs> That's David Frum. Uh, and then, uh, but the writer of this article says, I'm vaccinated. I think people should be vaccinated, but this latest moral mania, and make no mistake about it, the pandemic of the unvaccinated PR campaign is the latest in a ceaseless series of such manias lays bare everything that's abhorrent and nonsensical in modern American politics, beginning with the no longer disguised aristocratic men of Washington consensus. If you want to convince people to get a vaccine, pretty much the worst way to go about it is a massive blame campaign delivered by sneering blue noses who have a richly deserved credibility problem with large chunks of the population and now insist they're owed financially. Besides, it's a very good article, and I just think it's interesting that the the leftist publications are beginning to smell the rat and actually writing about it. So, um, all right, when we come back, I'm going to talk. Uh, let me some very interesting email. Eight 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 five eight nine eight nine eight eight four zero and. Do you want God to work a miracle in your life? Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve with From His Heart Ministries. Listen, I don't know how God is speaking to your heart and what He's speaking to your heart about, but I know this. He's present, and He's looking for people who will believe Him, who will step up. God shows up when you and I step up. Let God show up in your life. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart, weeknights at 6 Central here on American Family Radio. What would you do? Aunt Sadie, I appreciate your thought behind the gift card, but I just can't take it. I promise not to shop at Target because they allow men in areas that need to be private and protected for women and children. I hope you'll go to afa.net slash Target and learn about it. I'm not giving them my money. Aunt Sadie didn't know about AFA's call to boycott Target, but she knows now, and so do you. Learn even more at afa.net slash Target. afa.net slash Target. 
The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The book of Proverbs is one that flows with abundant insight for wisdom. It shows that one of the most prominent qualities of wise people is that they welcome and even celebrate life-giving correction. In today's world, overrun by cultural Marxism, there is much discussion as to what segments of our society hate themselves. Well, Proverbs gives the answer. He who rejects life-giving correction despises himself. The truest demonstration of self-hatred is revealed by knuckleheads who refuse to humble themselves and embrace life-giving correction. Loving rebuke saves lives. Correction displays love. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. It gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His Image has moved me. We actually had one gentleman contact us and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community. And this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same-sex attracted couple contact us and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what. And they said, please, Please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit inhisimage.movie. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Secretary of State Tony Blinken has become the public face of the Biden administration's wrecking operation that is showing the world America is in decline and retreat after years of Democrats, never-Trumpers, and even some actual Republicans denouncing Donald Trump's America first foreign and defense policies. They now appear, by contrast, as manifestations of robustness and successful U.S. engagement internationally. Tony Blinken's deep compromise by the Chinese Communist Party may have made unsurprising the dive he took when our country was roundly denounced by his peer counterpart in Anchorage last spring. He has, however, subsequently gone on to run down the United States himself by endorsing the false narrative of our systemic racism, even inviting UN inspectors to investigate our national shortcomings. Yesterday, Blinken acknowledged an impending catastrophe in Afghanistan. Color him the poster child for America last. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, Sandy Rios back with you. And uh, yeah, so I've got so many things. It's a dilemma. <laughs> it is a dilemma. Uh, I do read uh, just about everything that you send. Not Not all the links and all the things that you ask me to read, but... I try very hard, and I pray for you when I read, but I can't use them all on the air, as you know. I want to read this one. This is fun. This is from Joe. Joe is at Goochland. Goochland, of course, is famously that uh, county in uh, Virginia I tell you about, I've told you about for a long time, who were the first. This is probably, this is, I don't know, it's at least 10 years ago. Uh, 
they invited me down for the first time to speak for them, and it was my it was I'm the one who I'm the one who benefited because they had really taken back their county. They took back their school board. They took back their county commissioners. They took everything back, and they they turned the county around and made it very prosperous and a great place to live. And and I've kept it. We keep in touch ever since. And so Goochland had sent me several of them. Had told me that they went to the jail. Uh, by the way, to do the protest on this uh, that Saturday. So, uh, so they're they're doing all kinds of stuff. And this is from Joe, who's with Goochland. And he said that he this he spoke at a board, school board meeting in Goochland uh, about critical race theory and uh, and also the LGBTQ issue. And he said, "I mentioned the name of Dr. Erwin Lutzer and quoted the title of his book very slowly. We will not be silenced." And then I told the board as I looked at each one of them that I hope and pray they would carry out my request. And he talks about how he's he's telling me just the story here of how people responded. He got applause. And he said, echoing in my mind, Sandy, are these words that may sound familiar to you. Stand up, speak up, say something, do something. <laughs> Very sweet. I just think that's funny. And uh, thanks, Joe. That was, that was a, God bless you for doing that, by the way. That's, that took a lot of courage. And uh, it takes courage to stand up and fight, just like those con- uh, congressmen who went to the Justice Department and were treated so hor- horribly yesterday and then had to encounter the leftist protesters. They didn't have to do that, but they did it. And so um, a couple of things. This is from uh, Tara Lisa. She said, lately I've been using too much sarcasm. And says so she can't tell when I'm being sarcastic or actually saying, uh, saying I know, Tara Lisa, I know, I know. I am sarcastic. I, I, can't, I can't tell you that I'll change. I think uh, part of it's not because I don't love you or care. It's just that that's kind of part of my part of me. It's like this is how I respond to this bizarre world in which we're living. Sometimes I get very sardonic and sarcastic. So please forgive me. You know, while you don't like it, probably some people do. So uh, you know, I have to just be myself, and I know you know that. Uh, so um, this is great. This is from Kimberly. She said she quoted gave the reference of the quote that I gave a few days ago, that it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And that's in Hebrews 10.31. She said, I heard you give that, and I read it and felt, felt hope, hope that one day there will be an end to the wicked, and hope that one day soon we will all be free from the deception that Satan's trying to bring upon this world, and most of all, the eternal hope that Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us, to defeat death uh, so that we might live. And, um, yep. I just wanted to say that I don't often uh, quote give the verses and spiritual encouragement that you guys send, and I wanted to share that. Uh, this is, um, I this 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 one makes me furious. Okay, this is from I believe it's Teresa. She said, "I'm 67. I've been married to Paul for 48 years. We were diagnosed with COVID last July uh, in Arkansas. We were given other cough medicine and a pulse." oxygen machine. They said if our oxygen fell before 95% to come to the ER. By August, it hit us again, and then a third time a couple of weeks later. COVID attacked my lungs and Paul's digestive tract. We can't shake it, and my lungs are getting worse. We are desperate for prayers and medical help. I went to my new doctor three separate occasions for my lungs, and she refuses to even x-ray them. I guess at 67, I am too old to be bothered with. Paul is 72, and we are so alone. Our church has gone woke, and any advice you could give would be greatly appreciated. I'm Teresa. I'm so furious for you, and I'm furious for my friends who've been diagnosed. Now you you don't have COVID. She doesn't have COVID, just so you don't get confused. But she didn't get treatment 
because uh, it's the same thing. They're not sure, so they don't see you. They tell you to take over-the-counter drugs and come back, you know. If you want to go into the hospital, they'll give you something like, uh, uh, like what? Uh, not ivermectin because that's the good one. It was the, the AIDS drug that, that you know, remdesivir. Uh, that gives you three more. You can get out of the hospital three days earlier if you take remdesivir. That's what they're offering. And, yes, I'm being sarcastic again. Isn't that good news? doesn't necessarily cure you, but you might get out of the hospital a little sooner. So if you live that long. But here's the deal. Uh, you've asked me the question, Teresa, and this is what I want to emphasize to many of you because some of you sent me similar questions. The website that you need to go to, and this goes to all of you that asked me this question, uh, for ivermectin or good medical advice about what you can do to actually connect with a doctor is COVID19CriticalCare.com. 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 You'll find information on ivermectin. You'll find a way to contact a doctor. You'll find all kinds of things that your doctors are not going to tell you. And um, Teresa, please don't give up. I contact them and get some ivermectin, uh, and let's see if if we can. And of course, contact them. I know you don't have COVID because I have to correct myself. It sounds like you have pneumonia and you need uh, antibiotic. But I, w- I wish that you would contact the doctors at COVID nineteen critical care and talk to them and see if you can get some help because there is help. And this is um. Yeah, this is from another woman who says that she's in good shape. She's 67 also, but she doesn't want to get the shot. She says, I'm working at a well-known university. We've just been told we must report whether we got the shot or not. They're saying it will be confidential and not shared, but she doesn't feel easy about it, and she doesn't know what she should do. I don't know. Karen, I cannot tell you. I would like to tell you. If you were my friend, I'd probably, bla- you know, if you were my personal friend and we had a, having a private conversation, I'd probably give you an earful. But I cannot give advice. I can't. I just, uh, unless I know something personally and I'm sure about it, I would just say that seems very personal to me, very personal question, that you volunteer whether you are, you are made to say whether you had the shot or not. I, I just don't understand why that's not covered by HIPAA. Uh, I, so uh, I, I can't help you with that. Every university has different rules. Uh, but I would probably not, I, I, would, I wouldn't probably rush to do that. Uh, that's what I wouldn't do, but I don't. You don't need to do what I would do. Let's go to. Um, we need to go to the phone lines before we run out of time. Uh, let's go to uh, Bruce in Oklahoma. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Sandy. <clears throat> Sandy, I'd like to thank AFA and yourself for the honest and faithful reporting that you give to the American people, and also for giving common people like myself a, a platform to speak. Uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, make a comment that um, we've been duped on the wording of what this shot is. It's not a vaccine. And um, I would like for all of the AFR um, speakers to start calling it a shot instead of a vaccine because a vaccine works completely different than this shot, which is similar to a flu shot. Uh, also, um, I understand that some of the shots actually change the DNA of an individual after they take it. And, and I'm wondering, will that affect uh, generations to come? Uh, will, our, will our children and their children be affected by 
the change in the structure of our DNA, Sandy. Thank you. Have a nice yeah. day. Okay, Bruce, thanks for your kind comments. I appreciate that. Well, all right, so you know I, I read up front I'm not a medical person, so this is what I I heard. Uh, I have the email here, but one of our listeners is a, a professor, a doctor, who understands all of this, and um, I'm going to ask him to join us. He doesn't know that yet, so I'm telling him now. I'm going to ask him to join us because he can give us some really fine information, but I want to uh, share a response to that uh, from another listener, Christine who obviously has a medical background, and she's correcting me because I said something similar to what Bruce said recently, that it alters the DNA. It does not alter the DNA. It's incorrect. Um, It's the RNA in the cells that it affects. What's the RNA? RNA? I can't tell you. I'm sorry. But it alters the RNA in the cell. The idea is that the vaccine teaches the RNA to recognize the coronavirus and to fight against it. It does change the RNA in the cell, and this change cannot be reversed. However, it is just the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines that use this technique, which is experimental, as we all know. The Johnson & Johnson uses the traditional method of using the killed virus to manufacture the vaccine and stimulate the body to produce antibodies against the disease, and that's the kind of vaccine we're used to getting. This methodology has been used for many, many years in many of the vaccinations that are used routinely to protect against former serious illnesses like polio, measles, shingles, smallpox. Christine, thank you. I appreciate you correcting me on that. So it is the RNA that's altered, not the DNA, whatever that means. Uh, And that does make a difference. Whether it's permanent or not, I can't answer that. But the important thing that Christine has told us here is that the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines use that technique. Uh, The uh, Johnson & Johnson doesn't. So... Uh, she goes on to say think that she got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So that's something for all of you to keep in mind. Right, let, let's, go to, um, let's go to Al in Michigan. Is it Michigan, Al? Yeah. Hi, hey, good, hey, good morning. Hey, I'm calling because, uh, you know, uh, when this whole, this whole COVID thing started back a year ago, I had a crazy dream where I ended up in a, a concentration camp or a COVID camp. It's distinct that God was telling me that this is the future. You know, um, I think I think what we're seeing is the rise of the spirit of the the Nazi Party, and I think Dr. Fauci is equivalent to Goebbels at this point. Um, what they're doing is crazy because um, you know they're being deceitful and lying constantly. I really do believe there's an agenda to uh, depopulate the world and, and raise a new generation of younger kids that are controlled by the populism. I don't know if you've seen the movie Boss Baby 2, but they they, they basically admitted to the their global conspiracy to get rid of parents and just there's a generation of kids that don't know any better. I mean, yeah. essentially, we're living in 1984, the book, you know. Yeah. Well, I have to say, Al, this is, these are strange times. I, I would... Um, here's the thing. If I... Um, some of that stuff, who knows? Some of it's so bizarre. I, when I played last week, I sent, uh, I recommended listening to a, a video that we posted on our Facebook page uh, from a doctor who is an expert at the patent, his tra- tracking the patents, and who's, who's making money from all of this. And um, his uh, presentation was so bizarre and uh, just strange. So that, Al, my point is that a lot of strange, bizarre things are happening. Uh, And I think there's enough strange things happening that we actually know that we don't have to extrapolate or 
you know, or, or imagine other things. So all I'm saying, all I want to say to you as my friend who listens is just um, you can read those things, uh, but I, I, would take, I would take on the things that really we know are true and fight them and not extrapolate too much because, honestly, I don't think anybody knows. It's like, remember when Jesus said uh, about the Father and um, when, uh, when he talked about the end of times and he said, no one knows, not even the, not even the Son. And so I don't think, uh, it's interesting to read that stuff, but remember some of it crosses over into fantasy or science fiction, and, but some of what we're experiencing is actually that bizarre. So it's a, it's a real challenge to differentiate between the two, but I would gravitate to what we know is real rather than what is kind of imagined and extrapolated. That's my advice to you, okay? Thank you for calling. Thank you, Al, for your comments. And let's go to uh, Kathy in Oklahoma. Good morning, Kathy. Hi, Sandy. Thank you so much for your program and your dedication to the Lord and um, our our United States of America. I have a question. I haven't heard it talked about much, and I want to be very respectful to the family. But the Capitol Police that committed suicide, has there been any investigation into that background as to um, maybe he did that because he of the oh, yes, you're wondering if he knew. Well, uh, the the quick answer because we're running out of time is that uh, I I have read nothing about him. Uh, with all of my contacts and sources, I haven't read anything. And uh, the other thing is uh, that to people that were trampled and they said died of medical emergencies, I hadn't heard anything about any of them, their names, until uh, last week. I gave you a report of that young black activist in California who had his teeth knocked out doing a Trump rally. And then came to Washington on January 6th, and he talked about he was holding the hand of the woman that got trampled. Uh, that's, a, that's the first time he gave her a name. He told, talked about her name. So, yeah, Kathy, there's a lot we don't know, and uh, you can bet that, that uh, the committee that's convened is not going to get to the bottom of any of that, and it's a good question to ask. And, and so thank you for reminding me. And all, <laughs> Excuse me. PatriotMailProject.com is where you can write to these guys, and there'll be more to say about that. There's a lot of things happening today. People are going to go to the jail. There'll be a press conference, so you'll hear about it. PatriotMailProject.com. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.